church? Hell no. Are you no longer feeling comfortable in church? This podcast is for individuals who are desperately missing God, but don't know how to find Him. Substance abuse, domestic violence, sex offenses, acrimonious divorce can contribute to discomfort in the church. For these individuals, church is just not an option anymore. Ordained minister Dennis Hall and his guests invite you to listen to this podcast for topics that are inspiring, uplifting, and will bring hope to those who just feel church is not relevant in their lives today. I'm Dennis Hall, and I am delighted to have Dr. Mark Ford, pastor of First Baptist Church, Highlands, North Carolina, again as a guest as we continue our discussion about evil things and the Word of God. Uh, Just last night, Pastor Mark, I was watching the news and and, uh, I listened to the broadcasters talking about uh, Black History Month that's being celebrated here in the United States. And they were talking about how many schools across the country to acknowledge this month are teaching the principles of Black Lives Matter in the public schools. Mm -hmm. And as I listened to that, I reflected on this organization openly declaring themselves Marxists. Marxists. And uh, I want us to get to that subject quickly, but I'd like to digress just a little bit with you based on our discussion last week when we really talked about socialism, the the idea that government ought to be based on an understanding that those who have possessions uh, should have them taken from them and divided up with others in society so that conceivably everybody had would have an equal share of the of the pie as we we say and and um, we talked about that and talked about uh, some of the things that the bible has to say about that kind of a a concept and as we were talking last week i didn't mention maybe i didn't have time to mention it but I, i remember as a little boy my grandfather had asked me to hoe his garden and instead of doing that uh, I went down and spent the afternoon playing at the nearby creek. Now, that evening, when the the dinner table was set, there was not a plate for me. <laughs> there was no plate for me, and my grandfather quoted the Bible. Uh, it's actually Second Thessalonians three uh, ten, where it says, "The one who's unwilling to work shall not eat." Yeah, and my grandfather took the time to teach me a lesson yeah a lesson about work ethic and so forth and then this morning i was thinking about reverend raphael warnock uh pastor of a big afro-american church in uh, atlanta who's now the, one of the u.s senators from atlanta where he made the statement that uh, evangelicals who stand on the bible and reject socialism need to go back and read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he had a long uh, explanation of why he felt that way. And he, like many other socialists, loved to cite Acts 32 through 37, right. which, you know, states that uh, 
It was right after uh, Pentecost, at, uh, and it says no Christian would say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common, nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and they brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and they laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as had need. So, it's a little bit of a digression here before we talk about Marxism. So, if somebody quotes that to you and says, see, like Reverend Warbach was arguing, see, the Bible supports socialism. Yeah. How, what would be your reaction? Well, my first reaction would be to say that that text in the book of Acts, is a, they were assisting each other in times of trial and great need. The church was already being marginalized and pushed to the edges, and uh, their means of subsistence were being taken from them. So you can't take that one incident and make it into a doctrinaire like Marxism or socialism, because you don't find it happening again anywhere else. I think the best thing to do is always, of course, place the scriptures in context. And let's not forget that the Bible, as you learned as a young boy, the Bible affirms the dignity of work. Uh, in Exodus 4, and I think you were quoting 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Correct. And, and uh, if you don't work, you don't eat. Uh, kind of thing. Those who refuse to work are not worthy of their labor. So if uh, if a church is going to assist people, it's not under a, a ideology of equality and equity where we all get the same thing regardless of who contributes or not. The, the idea of the church being charitable is towards those like widows or others in that time who could not, and you're assisting them. Uh, the Bible condemns theft. The Bible affirms private property in Exodus 22. It condemns covetousness. Saving is encouraged and thrift in the book of Proverbs and not to depend on others. Go back to the Garden of Eden, for goodness sakes. What did God tell the Adam and Eve? He didn't say enjoy to sit around and enjoy paradise. What did he say? Keep the garden. Right, right. From the very beginning, we were created to work. So socialism in terms of its redistribution of wealth uh, is a great fallacy, but that's just one of the problems with Marxism today as I can see it. Right. You know, it's kind of interesting to look back over history and, and just uh, with regard to the question we're raising about uh, uh, individuals like Warnock who want to use this scripture to try to somehow justify socialism is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've had uh, a couple of thousand years here to, to look back over history and ask the question, uh, uh, where is it that we see uh, Christianity and socialism existing side by side and uh, is successful. In fact, if we look around the world today, the big socialist countries like uh, Russia and China and North Korea, Vietnam, these are places that are viewed as atheist cultures who persecute Christians, persecute right. Christians. So there does not seem to be uh, any compatibility between this idea of socialism and, uh, you know, just beginning with the whole idea where we're instructed uh, to 
do not steal in the scripture. <laughs> do not steal. Yeah. Recognizes that we have possessions and we have property rights and we shouldn't take another person's. You know. Right, right. So. And by force or either by political uh, uh, oppression. Uh, the, the, the thing is, is that when you talk about some of the main characteristics, why is it that Marxism is, and Christianity don't mix is one of their first premises is that they are anti-God. They're atheistic. Socialism exactly. is atheistic because, it's, as Marx said, and we all heard this, religion's the opium of the people. Uh, it seems to get in the way of the state. Or the ideology in, in America's case, this neo-Marxism or cultural Marxism, Christianity gets in the way because it's exalting something besides the state. It's exalting God. You know, and we all that gets in the way. Pastor Mark, probably for our listeners for sure, uh, we probably ought to attempt to try to define what socialism is, not socialism, mm-hmm. but Marxism and neo-Marxism is. Right. <laughs> so right. in your view, what kind of distinction do you make between this socialism that we talk about, this sort of uh, you know, ideal state of affairs where we just divide up the pie, and Marxism? So, and, right. uh, and when we say neo-Marxism, we're just talking about the the new brand of Marxism that exists in America. Right, right. Well, and and uh, Marxism is, I, I think the best way to describe it is, is one of their key slogans has always been, if you go back to Karl Marx, is let us drive out the capitalists from the earth and God from heaven. Yes. Okay. I mean, it's pretty so, straightforward. That, yeah, that's pretty straightforward. But when you when you look at its, its origin, a very very briefly, Karl Marx was a a, a really bad guy, <laughs> putting it kindly. Uh, he was, uh, as one of Pearson said, a hater of God and a cheerleader for evil. And uh, one of his own sons used to address him in letters as my dear devil. Wow. And so when we talk about his ideas and his ideology, he 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 was a uh, as many would say, one biographer described him as a tyrant, racist, misogynistic, radical person who hated God and wanted the world to burn. Okay. The reason I mentioned that about him is because if he is the founder of Marxist ideas and, and sociology uh, or socialism as we know it, you know, if we're going to be toppling statues anytime soon, we ought to be toppling his. Right. But but uh, cancel culture has grabbed onto him and made Marxism as a, a their new god. But here's what here's what Marxism actually is. Uh, its main characteristics is, as we already said, anti-god, and it's also ends up totalitarian in nature because even though they say we're going to redistribute the wealth and redistribute the power, ultimately. They discover somebody has to be in control and you end up with totalitarian individuals over the state. Uh, Marxism is divisive. It's built upon the idea of let's find who the oppressed are. Let's lift them up and let's bring down the oppressors. Well, guess what's happening in American society? Thanks to some of our politicians, which all go unnamed. 
but uh, most people know who they are. The oppressors are the ones who the, are the haves, and the oppressed are the ones who are the have-nots, and it begins to lift up the minorities. So that's why you end up with wokeism and cancel culture. All of that is predicated on uh, neo-Marxist, cultural Marxist ideas that want to bring down the oppressors so that we can lift up the oppressed. And the oppressed are minorities, and especially those in the, uh, anybody who's a minority, it could be the sexual uh, identity group, it could be, uh, like I said, uh, racial groups. And, and so they create this scenario of conflict between two groups right in order to uh, pr- to promote their agenda but you were mentioning black lives matter i guess everybody's seen where nobody can account for 61 million dollars that's right and you know we have these uh, examples of some of their leaders buying expensive pieces of property and in the background they've had this huge uh, multi-million dollar support from corporate leaders all across the country and and, and political leaders uh, who seem to have embraced an organization that openly declares themselves Marxists. And, right. you know, they're open. We can, we can see it and identify it. And, and to our chagrin, we have people, uh, smart people, um, uh, people who seem to be educated embracing this philosophy that, that they're taking across our country. Now, you know, there are, there are other insidious things, too. It's like this uh, uh, attack on on police officers. P- I like mm-hmm. to call them peace officers across right. our country and uh, putting them in the position that they are now labeled the oppressors. Exactly. And the oppressors must be suppressed. So we have right. to defund the police and everything that's going along with that. Right. And the reason they defund the police and they want to weaken the military, those are still instruments of the oppressors. So you weaken those groups so that you can move forward and carry out your agendas. Right. Uh, and the agenda in Marxism is built. Lenin took Marxist ideas and built it on the idea of the best way to implant uh, socialist communist ideas and communism is a is an expression of Marxism. You got to create chaos and war, and out of that chaos you bring stability. And who gets to control the stability? The Marxists. Right. But the thing as Christians, and I, you know, I could being a history major, I could go into this stuff all day long. And I, I think we've got some expressive voices out there. Os Guinness, Rod Dreher, uh, you've got, this is not marginal thinking. This is mainline thinking. People are beginning to pick up on this. We as Christians have better wake up to the idea that there is a subversive ideology and know where it starts. It started in our universities and it's there still. I know it seems to me we, we hear and see a, a lot about that, you know, especially the presence of this cancel culture on yep. our university campuses where it's the very place where there should be a free exchange of, of, of ideas. You know, uh, this, this whole critical race theory mm-hmm. uh, that's, uh, that has invaded uh, corporations invaded even the military. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it's, it seems to be pervasive all across the country. Again, something that seems to be embraced by so many leaders in the country. 
And, and when you boil it down, it, it's a theory that if you're a person of white skin, then you mm-hmm. are an impress an oppressor. You right. are you are a hate monger. Right. You, you are somebody who is is filled with uh, malice toward uh, uh, dark skinned people just yeah. on the basis of your skin color, which yeah, seems no, to fit into this whole Marxist movement. It is. It is. And it's I ran head on into this at my uh, my school, uh, Princeton, uh, back in 2005, I ran into what would be called feminist uh, race theory, uh, a critical critical feminist theory, excuse me, whereby the oppressor was the white middle class conservative male and being a Southern Baptist white conservative male, I was I found myself in many a battle. Uh, but it didn't start just at Princeton. It was at Harvard and a guy named Bell. I think a lot of people are beginning to realize this and learn this, but this was an intentional ideology, and in order for it to succeed, you had to go out of you had to go after those you believed were in control of history, that were in control of the message of history. You thought they were in control of the finances. You thought they were in control of our institutions. And cancel culture is a way of bringing them down and equalizing the playing field. Because socialism isn't just about equal opportunity or equality. It's about equity and equal outcomes. And they're determined to develop equal outcomes in this country at whatever expense. And that means bring down the ones that are in the way. Well, uh, you know, it kind of leads into the whole concept of this, uh, what's been labeled systemic, systemic racism. Yeah. So, so that the idea is that in all of our institutions, in all of our institutions, there is this systemic racism, the oppressors versus uh, mm-hmm. the, the oppressed. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's that kind of ideology that sort of lead, what does this lead to it? It seems to me that it's a, uh, it has to be the goal to simply overthrow capitalism and the form of government that this nation is founded on. And, and you know what the sad thing about is you were mentioning the minister earlier, they actually can use just enough Christianity as they see it, or enough Bible to justify this, um, this, this takeover, this uh, bringing down the oppressors. But in reality, they're not interested in the full counsel of God's word. They just want to pick and choose scriptures that will bring about their their agenda. Uh, I think what's important for us as God's people is uh, we need to, we're going to have to begin to see the insidious nature of this cultural Marxism that's behind cancel culture, woke, Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ agendas and sexual identity agendas, all of this is being driven by a uh, this idea of e- of equality, equity outcomes. And uh, I think that what we have to do as Christians, and, and if I may, Dennis, I don't know how much more time we have, but I want to quote Rod Dreher's book. We've got time. Uh, Rod Dreher 
wrote, a, I think, in a very important book called Live Not By Lies, in which he interviewed a lot of people, older folks who had lived behind the Iron Curtain. And he began to realize that as he interviewed these people and they thought about America, by and large, those people that used to be behind the Iron Curtain and are now beginning to feel the pressure again from Russia, as we know, those people said what disappoints them about America is that America seems to be going down the same paths. Right. With our thinking. And he said, we've got to refuse to live by lies. How do we handle this? I don't know if the ballot box is the answer. I don't know that taking, I certainly don't believe God would have us to take up arms. But here's what they said eventually led to the overthrow of communism in the most recent history was that people began to refuse to live the lies and to live the truth and tell the truth no matter what the consequences were. And I think that we as Christians, we feel ourselves being pushed out of the public square, but we can still raise our voice and say what thus saith the Lord. And here's where we've got to a bit of us need to depoliticize our message and just say, like you and I started off, here's why communism and socialism is wrong. Here's what the Bible tells us about that. And you disarm socialistic thinking by saying, but here's what thus saith the Lord. Uh, It was Solzhenitsyn uh, who said these four things. He said, first of all, I warn you, and by the way, he did this in his Harvard speech and they never invited him back. Don't say right or affirm anything that's true. Second, take action. All agree to stand. Support journalism, media, school, universities, radio with constructive thinking, and at the same time, allow for diversity in thinking, because here's what he and I have always said for a long time. I don't mind if you oppose my thinking. I'll join you gladly, because I believe that my my ideas will win out over your ideas anyway. So I think that we just need to begin to stand up and speak the truth. That's the bottom line. I'd like to thank Dr. Mark Ford for being with us today to discuss a very important topic to those of us in the United States, and that is this uh, this this invasion of neo-Marxism into all of our institutions across America. I think all of us need to understand that this is a direct attack on the Christian faith, as well as on our American institutions. Marxism is ultimately about material things. Christianity is about spiritual things. Uh, All of this flies in the face of Jesus' parable in Matthew 25, 14, 30, that clearly teaches that it's our responsibility to serve God with the resources that he has given us. Thank you for being with us today and listening, and may God bless you.